chapter 18, and we'll begin reading in verse 5, and we'll read down through verse number 9. It says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And I want to just talk to you for a little bit on the thought here tonight. Thousands are not that bad. Thousands are not bad. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the blessing to be connected in church tonight. Thank you for a loving church family, Lord. We thank you for this church here in Hattiesburg that stands for something, Lord, who is reaching the lost. And Father, we thank you for every person who's a part of this church here. And thank you for those that are uh, tuning in live on Facebook or on the internet tonight. We pray that you'll bless them, bless the service, bless me as I speak tonight. Holy Spirit of God, I just ask for your help. just want to be a blessing tonight, and I just pray that you'd use me and help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find in this passage of Scripture tonight, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we find a most miserable man. And it's King Saul. He's the king of God's people. And I th- you think, what could, be, what could be the problem that is so bad that a king would be miserable? You know, we're talking about Saul. We're talking about one that sits in a palace. And you think about uh, how nice that palace must be, you know, especially when they didn't have all the modern conveniences that we have. Saul could have everything he wanted, anything that was the cutting edge Saul had. But he's miserable, and he's in the palace. And he's one that rules a kingdom with his word. Nobody's got to tell him what to do. He gets to tell everybody else what to do. He's the king. He's the leader. And he's in charge. He's got the number one position in the country, but he's miserable. And here he's one that leads the people, he's the boss, the CEO, the king, the head honcho, everything else, but he's miserable. What could it be that would make the king so miserable? Well, the Bible tells us what it is. It is a song that's being sung. It's a song that's being played. There's a young man that uh, is, is rising through the ranks. His name is David. And you know the story, David has just killed Goliath. And I mean, what a big victory it was, not just for David, Brother Jeremiah talked about it this morning, but what a big victory it was for the nation. I was talking to someone this morning, uh, and being from Louisiana, you don't have to guess what team we pull for, but uh, I was talking to someone this morning, and, and he was from Louisiana too, and I said, man, when we won that championship this year, I said, that wasn't just LSU winning the championship. I said, that was Louisiana. That's, that's what our state needed. And so here was David, and he beats Goliath, and it was 
wasn't just a victory for David. It wasn't just a victory for the people and the army. This was a victory for the whole country. I mean, the whole country had a breath of fresh air, and it brought hope and, and a vision to a country. They were on the verge of giving up. I mean, they thought it was over. And then here comes David, and God gives him this victory. Now everybody's excited. Everybody's enthusiastic and optimistic. And the ladies begin to play a song. And uh, I don't know what the tune was. I, I, I just can't even picture it, but I sing it. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. That's what the Bible says the words were. I don't know what the tune was, but it went something like that, I guess. And here they are. Everywhere you go, Brother Heath, that song is playing on the radio. I mean, it's all over the place. You go to Walmart, and you hear that over the loudspeaker. You go to the mall. You go anywhere. And everybody's playing the song David has slain his tens of thousands. I mean, it's, it's the song of the year. It gets the Grammy. It gets everything. And so everybody knows this song, and Saul hears this song, and every time he hears it, it makes him mad. I mean, he just gets unwound every time that song comes on because he know he likes the part about himself but man David has slain his tens of thousands he just gets all mad all upset all over again and he can't stand it the bible says in verse 9 that he begins to look at David and now every time he looks at him he eyes David he just looks at him with this uh, hate, hatred, jealous look, and I can't stand you. And one of these days, if I ever have the chance, I'm going to kill you. Why? Over a song. And he says, you know, they have ascribed to David tens of thousands. Picture yourself being Saul tonight. He said, they've, they've given David tens of thousands. Look at how they're singing about David. Man, they give him the whole song. I'm in there just a little bit. But here, it's all about David, all about the tens of thousands. You know, David, he's nothing but a shepherd. You realize that? And he, was, he, he wasn't even supposed to be there. All he was doing was bringing his brothers some cheese and some bread and some, some food. And that's the only reason he was there in the first place. He was too young to be on the battlefield. They didn't think he was battle ready. That's why he wasn't out there in the first place. And then, you know, here I was. I was trying to give him my armor, be nice, you know, let him go down there and wear my armor. And, and, and my armor was too big for him. He was so little. And he said, they're giving him tens of thousands. Sure, yeah, David, tens of thousands thousands. Wasn't even supposed to be there. Here I am, King Saul. And, and, you know, I've been here every day. I've been here day in, day out. I've been here at night. I've been here in, in the palace year after year. I've been carrying the load of leading the people here. And, uh, and, and in one day, all David does comes along and one day has a good day, wins a battle, and now he gets the song of the year. Tens of thousands. And I only get thousands. Well, I'd like to say something to Saul. I'd like to say, you know what? Can we push pause on your pity party for just a minute? Can I say to Saul, just to kind of encourage the king for just a second, you know, thousands is pretty good too. It's not bad. You know, thousands, what do you, you say, what do you mean? Thousands looks pretty good when you only have hundreds. Listen, if you've only got $100, $1,000 looks pretty good. Thousands looks pretty good when you only have hundreds. Thousands are not bad. When you've only got dozens, you know, and here's Saul. I'm telling you, Saul, you're looking at this the wrong way. And, you know, Saul's got the same problem we have tonight. And this encouraged me as I looked at this tonight. Here's Saul's problem. Number one, he's looking at what he doesn't have. David has tens of thousands. 
And I've only got thousands. He's looking at what he doesn't have. Can I tell you tonight, that is one of the devil's most effective weapons that he uses against God's people. He gets us to look at what we do not have. I think about Adam and Eve. Here they are in the Garden of Eden. I'm thinking about them, especially this day where it's 95 degrees and and 3,000% humidity right now. And uh, it's just going to get worse from here on out. But here's Adam and Eve. No humidity, no pressure, you know, no heat index, nothing like that. They're in paradise. They have a tree of life. All they got to do, you're talking about reaching, go just reach for the fruit, the tree of life. They have a daily time where they walk with the Lord. I mean, the presence of God coming into that garden. What an amazing thing. They have no... Poison ivy. I mean, you know, you reach out there and at our place, you get poison ivy. They have no fire ants. They got to watch out for it. No uh, cotton mouths, no copperheads, no black widow spiders. And, and, uh, the, and uh, Curtis Hudson said they didn't even have a mother-in-law there in the garden. And, and I mean, it was paradise. You know, if there were any animals there that were poisonous, they wouldn't have even bitten them. There was no sin curse back then. I mean, totally perfect environment they had. What a, what a life living in the Garden of Eden. You know how the devil got to Eve? He comes to Eve and he said, hey, Eve, he said, you see that tree over there? He said, you can't have that, can you? And the devil got Eve to looking at what she didn't have. And he got her to look at what she didn't have, and she looked at that and desired to have it, and, and, and her and Adam sinned, and, and tonight we pay the price because of the sin curse in the world. All because the devil got somebody looking at what they didn't have. You know, Demas, I think about Demas. He was on the Apostle Paul's evangelistic team. Man, what a job. What an opportunity to be on the, the team with the Apostle Paul. And I, these are not my teams, but I would think that'd be like working for the New England Patriots or the New York Yankees. I mean, that would be the ultimate, some championship caliber team. And here he is working with the great Apostle Paul. And I don't know if he's getting to just lead the singing for him or if he's getting to, you know, hand out uh, uh, pamphlets or whatever he's doing for the Apostle Paul. But here he is. I mean, seeing God firsthand work through the Apostle Paul, this great giant of the faith. Demas is on the team. What an opportunity. And then Demas, the Bible says, has forsaken me. He's not with me anymore. Why? Because he got to looking at what he didn't have. He have, having loved this present world, Demas got to looking at the things of the world and said, you know what? I don't have that. I don't have an opportunity to have that. I'm going to go for those tens of thousands and neglected the thousands that he had. You know, I'd like to ask you tonight, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. What is it that is the tens of thousands to you? Now, you're not the king, and we're not in Israel and all that, but if you got to thinking tonight, and there was a song playing, what is the tens of thousands to you? You might not say it. You may never admit it. You wouldn't stand up and give a testimony, but in your heart tonight, you might feel a little cheated. There may be something in your life that you don't have, and there, there's something there. I think we're all, we all face, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You know, you may feel that God has not been fair to you, that he's been unfair, unjust, or unkind to you because you missed out on the tens of thousands. Here's somebody that's got tens of thousands, and you see them, and you say, you know what? I've only got thousands. I don't have what he has, or I don't have what she has. You know, the truth is, a man will leave his wife because he gets to looking at the one that he doesn't have. 
A lady will leave her husband because she gets to looking at the one that she doesn't have. You know, I tell you, it's the funniest thing, but that's what the devil does to us. He, God blesses us. He gives us all these things and, and all these unnumerable, uncountable uh, blessings, and we get to looking at what we don't have. We live out in the country, and, and it's the funniest thing to watch, but, you know, we've got cows across the road from us. We live on a state highway, and across the highway there's this farm, and they have some cows there. I got to looking one day, and they had one cow. I found out later her name was Blackberry. Big old black cow, and uh, Blackberry got out of the fence. And uh, she didn't come across the cattle gate. They had the barbed wire fence. She just come across the fence. And, uh, you know, today uh, Blackberry is no longer with us uh, because she got out of the fence one too many times, and, and now she's been processed. But Blackberry got to looking at the fence one day, and, and she got to looking out there, and she said, you know what, I can't get what's over there because I'm tied up in this fence, and, and I can't get over there, and that fence is keeping me from reaching my potential, and so I've got to get out of here. I've got to figure out some way to get on the other side of that fence. And Blackberry did. She got out. I looked out there one day, and there's Blackberry. Now, where does she go? Now, I don't. I I, I can't understand a cow's mindset. But uh, you know, if I was a cow, and and we live by this state highway, and you go north just a little ways, you're going to be in Arkansas. Now, if I'm a cow and I'm in a fence and I'm going to get out, I'm going to go to Arkansas. I mean, I may head toward Hattiesburg. I don't know, but I'm going somewhere. If I get, if I make it out, if I escape, I'm going somewhere. You know where Blackberry went? She went right on the other side of the fence. And she was standing, I mean, literally on the other side of the wire. And I'm thinking, that, how intelligent is that? Same pasture. I mean, the same people on both sides of the fence. She's eating the same grass. It's the same, same side of the road. She didn't even cross the road. You know what her problem was? She got to looking at what she didn't have. And I've got to get out there, and I've got to get the other side of that fence. You know, I, I tell you, that's what the devil does. That's what he's doing to Saul right now. Hey, he's got tens of thousands. I don't have that. I've only got thousands. But thousands ain't bad. I'm going to tell you tonight, your house was the house that you always wanted. Oh, it's got everything I want in it until you saw the house that you didn't have. Oh, I wish I could have that house. The car that you drive was the car of your dreams. I mean, it's what you wanted until you saw the car that you didn't have. And then that became the one that you went after. The job that you had. You could not believe that you got the job that you did until you saw the job that you didn't have, and then you began to looking across the, the fence. You know, people, uh, I've seen it in the ministry, I've seen as a pastor, uh, that people will leave a church that has the right kind of preaching, has the right kind of spirit, has the right kind of music, and, and has everything. And why would they leave? Because they leave for what the church does not have. Well, they don't have a youth group over there. They don't, they don't have this. They don't have any old people. They don't have any single people. You know, preachers get discouraged and preachers leave a church. Pastors, because of what he does not have that he thinks he ought to have. And so I'd like to say to Saul in the first place, quit looking at what you don't have. You don't have tens of thousands, maybe, but you do have thousands. Can I be personal? Can I testify for just a minute? Sometimes I'm 39 years old, and sometimes I get to looking at the heads of middle-aged men. And, you know, I see a full head of hair, and it bothers me a little bit. I get, I get a little bit of the Saul syndrome in me, and I see my bald head. I mean, just the other night, somebody asked me if I had shaved my head. And they said, well, didn't I see you before? You shaved your head since then. No, I haven't. I'm just going bald. And, uh, you know, why can't, and I think, why can't I have a full head of hair? 
You know, why can't I look? Why did, why did my mom, they say it's your mama's daddy. Why did my mama's daddy be the one that had to, had to have a receding hairline? My daddy had a full head of hair and slick his hair back. I never could do that. And I get to think, you know, it's not right. It's not fair. I mean, just the other day, I was given a senior discount. I'm 39 years old. And I don't have the tens of thousands. I don't know. I don't have a mechanical ability. Some of y'all may be watching. You can tear apart an engine or you can fix something. I can't do that stuff. I can't weld. I can't play the piano. I mean, I, I can't even hit a golf ball very far. Now, and I can't drive a standard uh, vehicle either. But I'm going to tell you something. If you were listening this morning, Brother Jeremiah is going to be the last person that's ever going to teach me how to drive a standard vehicle. In fact, after hearing him preach this morning, I'm not sure I would let him borrow my car. And I'm just being honest with you. But here, Valerie and I were out golfing one day. We were in Monroe at uh, Chenault Park. And we decided we were going to go have a fun time playing golf. She was going to watch me hit the golf ball and so forth. And we got out there one day. I don't know what hole it was. But we were out there on the, on the tee, and, and the, there was the first tee. I don't know if they have that here. It's where they teach the little kids how to play golf. And so they come up to the hole where, where I'm about to tee off from, and the teacher says, you know what, we're going to let this man tee off first. We're going to wait and watch him, and we're going to let him tee off first. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And so I got up there, got ready, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I couldn't hit the ball. I'm not talking about 300 yards. I'm talking about three feet. I couldn't touch the ball. I swung and I missed and swung and I missed again. And these kids are watching me. And, uh, and finally, I picked up the ball and we drove off. And I've never gone back to Chenault Golf Course since then. But I'm telling you, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. Now, maybe you're, you're laughing or you're smiling, but I'm going to tell you something. There is something in your life tonight that you wish you had. There's something that maybe God gave someone else. Maybe God gave your neighbor. Maybe God gave your friend, but he didn't give it to you, and you haven't received that blessing from God yet. And you wish you had the tens of thousands, but you don't have that. Somebody else has it. And, and Saul said, man, I wish I had that, but David's got that part of the song. Quit looking at what you don't have. Secondly... I'd like to say to Saul, look at where God's brought you from. Not only should you not look at what you don't have, but take a look at where God brought you from. Would you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9? 1 Samuel chapter 9. You know where Saul never thought he would ever be the king. He never thought that he had that kind of potential. He never thought that God would ever do anything like that with him. Here's where God took Saul from in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? He said, I'm a nobody. He said, not only am I a nobody, he said, but none of my family ever amounted to anything. We're all of, of, the, of the lowest of the tribes of Israel. And can I remind Saul, you know, that's where God brought you from. That's where God took you from. In that chapter we're reading right there, Saul's daddy had lost some donkeys. And he went out looking for him to see if he could find them. And they, they said, you know, we, we got to find Samuel. We got to find the man of God and see if he can help us. And, and his, his uh, servant right there said, well, we got to give him something. What could we give the man of God? You know, some kind of love offering. And he said, well, I don't have anything. And he said, well, I got a fourth of a shekel we could give him. 
I mean, they had nothing. They were nobodies. They were unknown. And, and uh, even when he found out that he, he got the news that God was looking for him, you remember? Saul hid himself. He said, they got the wrong guy. No way they're going to pick me. He never would have thought God would have ever done this with him. You see, Israel had never had a king before. And God, out of all the people, God picked Saul. And now here's Saul. Started from nothing. He was a nobody. And now the, the, the ladies are singing about him. He's, he's slain thousands. Now thousands is not bad when you started off with nothing. You had nothing and then you were a nobody. And now God's taken you and God's lifted you up. And now you are somebody. Now you have a position. Now you are a leader within the nation of Israel. And, and people are looking at you. And now he's the king. And Saul is distressed because someone has more attention than he does. Saul is neglecting, think about it, Saul has slain his thousands. Saul is neglecting the thousands of victories that God has given him. God has allowed him to slay thousands. Now tonight, maybe you don't have the tens of thousands, but maybe you do have thousands. You say, what do you mean? For example, maybe you have your own home tonight. You own the house that you live in. You know, to the person who can't get a loan, to the person who can't get a mortgage, you realize you have tens of thousands. I mentioned the place we live in. Uh, They're uh, outside of Minden, and uh, just a little house. We got a house and got a, an acre of land, and, and uh, I was out there the other day, and the UPS man pulled up, and he said, man, you're living the dream out here. I said, really? He said, you have everything I wish I could have. You see, to someone who doesn't have what you have, they look at you and you're the one that's got the tens of thousands. You know, maybe tonight or this morning, maybe you drove your own car to church. Maybe you picked which car are we going to take to church today. What a blessing to have more than one vehicle. And you know, to the person who has no car, to the person who has a bummer ride everywhere, to the person who has to walk to work, you realize to, to, to them you have thousands, you have tens of thousands. Maybe you walked in here tonight with no assistance. Maybe you walked in here this morning. Nobody had to lead you. Nobody had to help you into your seat. Nobody had to push your wheelchair. Nobody had to open the door for you or, or help you get to a handicapped spot this morning. Well, I could take you to the homes of the bedbound. I could take you to the homes of the people that are uh, bound in a hospital bed right now. And they would say, you walked in here by yourself. You got tens of thousands. Maybe your home tonight, your house has food in the ice box. You know, those in a homeless shelter, you have tens of thousands. You see, Saul, he, boy, you think Saul, he, he's, he's on his last leg. You would think, oh, Saul, man, I've got nothing. Boy, Saul, you're not poor. You're not mistreated. You've not been treated unfairly. Here's the thing, Saul. God took you when you were nothing, when you had nothing, and God has elevated you to the highest position in the world. Saul, you're the king. Quit looking at what you don't have and thank God for what you do have. You know, I, I mentioned my hair. I mentioned what I don't have. I mentioned my inabilities, my lack of everything. But I thank God for what I do have. God's been so good to me at the hotel tonight, which y'all so graciously provided for us. Thank you so much. We walk in and the, the front desk lady, she just kept saying, you have such a beautiful family. You have such a beautiful family. Oh, listen, I've got a wife tonight. Now, she's from, she's from the north, but I have a wife who knows how to make biscuits and gravy. 
Man, I got a wife who knows how to make purple hull peas, and if you don't know what purple hull peas are, I just feel sorry for you. But she knows how to cook them. I mean, she knows how to make banana pudding. I mean, God has blessed me with a great wife. He's blessed us with a great church family, a loving church family. If you have that here, God bless you. You're blessed. So many people can't say that. And I really believe that the people that, I, that God's blessed us with in Mendon, they've loved us and taken care of us for these nine years. What a blessing. Listen, you say, well, I don't know. But you live in a free country. Isn't it a blessing to be a citizen of the United States of America, the greatest country in the world? And to know that my sins are forgiven, to know that one day I'm going to heaven and I'm only going to live as long as Jesus lives. What a blessing it is to know that you're a child of the King tonight. Not bad for somebody who started off for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's been so good to us. I think about the parable of the talents, and I look at that sometimes, and I teach on it, and, and I realize as I look at that that I'm not the five-talent Christian. I look at that uh, parable, and I realize I'm not the two-talent Christian. I see myself in that story. I'm the one-talent Christian, and I, I'm okay with that because you know why? I got to looking at how much one talent was worth. You know, when you look at it that way, one talent is still a big deal. That's why he was so upset at the servant for burying the one talent. You realize how much I just gave you? One talent of gold is still over a million dollars. Listen, that's not bad for someone who deserves to go to hell. What God has given you is a bonus compared to what you and I deserve. I think of the old song, Are You Ever Burdened With a Load of Care? Does the cross seem heavy? You were called to bear. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Can I tell you tonight, that's the song that Saul should have been thinking about. Not David has slain his tens of thousands. He should have been thinking about count your blessings. He should have been thinking about how deep the Father's love for us. Good night, how much God loves us. And you know what you ought to do tonight? Sometime maybe take out a piece of paper, and on one side, be honest. You can write down the things that God has not given you that you wish you had. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's a a calling. Maybe it's an education. Just write down what God has not given you that you thought he should have. And on the other side of that paper, you write down what God has given you. And then you get to thinking about how God gave you those blessings. You know, Saul, you may not have the tens of thousands, but at least you got thousands. And, and, and Saul, you know what? At least you're still in the song. At least your name is still in the song. At least the ladies of the nation are still singing about you. Brother uh, Andrews in his introduction mentioned the old guard and Brother Hatch and uh, Brother Roloff, I think of Lester Roloff. One day he was in his office, and my dad used to tell the story that one of his di- he was always in trouble for something, something he said or something he did, but very controversial preacher in Corpus Christi, Texas. And one of his deacons came in one day, threw the newspaper on the desk of his office, said, what do you think, what do you have to say about this? And uh, his name, the church's name on the front page, and it wasn't good. They were being slandered for something. And they had the, the children's homes and, and all that there in Corpus Christi. And the deacon said, what do you got to say about this? And uh, Brother Roloff didn't miss a beat. He picked it up. He said, well, it looks like I got my name in the paper. That's what I have to say about it. You know, I tell you tonight, God has been good to us. Do we live in uncertain times? Yes, we do. Do we live in some troubled times? Yes, we do. 
We need that resolve he was talking about. We sure do. But God has been good to us. And I thank God he won't ever stop being good. And I don't know how much you got tonight. I don't know if you got dozens. I don't know if you have a few hundred. I don't know if you have a few thousand. But thank God thousands are not bad. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, we love you.